it is, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so excited that you chose to tune in to DLC. Hey, are you out there on the trail running hard? Are you in the gym pumping some iron trying to stay fit? Are you in your car in traffic in a commute? We are going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes talking video games because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Casper. Made that possible. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis... The guy who, like me, has split his time this last week between post-apocalyptic Boston and Azeroth, which are both lovely this time of year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Fall, post-apocalyptic fall is really the time, post-apocalyptic fallout is really the time to experience. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Oh my gosh, we have a massive show that I've been excited about. Uh, I, I... the hardest thing was not talking about Fallout for as long as we were not allowed to talk about it. Um, and I'm so excited. BlizzCon this week we were at. And the, the coolest thing is we have an absolutely awesome guest to share it with us this week. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm thrilled because once again, DLC stands for Dungarees, Lilypads, and Comics. Because we have the founder of Frogpat Studios podcasting empire and the artist and writer of the extra life webcomic our buddy mr scott johnson hello scott hey man third time's the charm uh yeah i I was afraid you're gonna say downloadable johnson but you didn't and that's good i really appreciate that well Uh, that that doesn't work with the letters strange connotations as well but i'm thrilled (laughs) to be here uh it was great to see you uh briefly but to see you nonetheless uh both of you actually at blizzcon and stoked to talk about all this stuff it's gonna be great oh man yeah what a what a week and um I, I will say right here at the top that I don't believe any of us have played Tomb Raider yet, so no. uh, we will be talking about that next week. I know that is also a big release that happened, uh, will, will be happening tomorrow, but uh, we will be covering that next week. This show is going to be about uh, lots of other cool stuff, though. Uh, and let's start it off the way we normally do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag DLCSLTW, excuse me, SOTW for story of the week uh, on Twitter, or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, we also love getting feedback at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, love hearing your comments and questions. And in fact, this week, right at the top, I want to say, this here is episode number 99, which means next week is episode number 100. Uh, and Christian and I were talking about doing some special something. I don't know. We, we don't know what we're going to do. But what I would love is uh, if anybody wants to send in some suggestions of what to do or just some comments about the last 100 episodes, We'd love to read those next week, so send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, and, and uh, we'd love to hear what you've thought of our show over the last 100 episodes, uh, and we'll talk about that next week. All right, Scott, you are our guest, and uh, I know I'm, I'm sure BlizzCon is going to dominate uh, our discussion, but what do you consider to be your story of the week? Um, for me, the story of the week is the 
Um, boy, that's a really good question. Now, now, <laughs> uh, here, okay, because I could go about five different directions, but for me, it's it's that Fallout Four is doing three things I didn't expect. Uh, I knew it was going to be released, so that's not one of them. Um, I know that they had like an embargo on an embargo, basically. So, so things were really tight-lipped, and that actually made me nervous there for a while. I wasn't sure why things were so tight until today. Uh, now we're seeing pretty much unanimously glowing reviews across the board, which is exciting for me as someone who has not played it yet. They're glowing as if irradiated by nuclear energy. That sounds right to me. Yes. Uh, they, they, they've been in the wasteland too long. They're <laughs> mutated, really. Um, and But what surprises me is that we are talking about a franchise, and by all accounts from the reviews I've read today, we're talking about a game that is very, very hardcore. You might call it old school. You might call it, I don't know. It's, it's in many ways, despite its fidelity and its modern trappings, it feels like a game that might have been conceived, let's say, in the early 90s on a PC when RPGs were sort of raw and hard and, and uh, you know, were not the, um, the more forgiving fare that we sometimes experience today. That's at least the impression I'm getting. And that, to me, is a huge deal that we can mainstream like that with a game that is structured that way and have, uh, you know, players this excited about it. And I don't know if that's just coming off of everybody's expectations based on other Bethesda titles like Skyrim, or if this is them, you know, feeling so fondly about fallout three and new Vegas that they just can't wait to dig their, their, their claws into something new or what, but, uh, they didn't even really have to market all that much for this game, and everyone's fully expecting this to be maybe one of the year's biggest sellers. So to me, the big the big story is this kind of initial blast of Fallout Four hitting in so many right ways, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, um, I you know we're definitely going to deep dive into our experience with Fallout Four in the playlist segment of the show, and I'm excited to do that very much. But you're right; I think that the the sort of hype train is is its own topic. I think. Um, and chugga, chugga, chugga. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's an, it's an amazing thing. It, it, you're certainly right on that the game, I'm wondering how many people are going to rush out and buy it and then not realizing what they're getting themselves into. It is, it's a massive, massive game that is very much, uh, it, it doesn't explain a lot to you. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't hold your hand. You will die a lot, but it's an old school PC kind of role playing game. There's, there's quick save anywhere, which is probably my favorite feature in any game ever. Yeah. Uh, any game that has quick save at any time, all the time, I love <laughs> love the fact that that's in the game. Um, it, but you know, and it, it it does a lot of things. I think I think you're right. I think a lot of that comes from people's love of Skyrim. Yeah. Skyrim was a phenomenon when it when it came out, and this is the next game from that studio. Christian, what's your take on the uh, on the sort of marketing and hype train? angle of fallout 4 i think it had a lot um in the sense that it wasn't officially unveiled until e3 and then they showed a lot at e3 so there was it was a much bigger more in-depth you know presentation than games you know we saw more of it then at its unveiling than we've seen of watchdogs over i'm sorry not watchdogs um the division the division over two E3s, you know? Three, I think. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, think. Three total. 2013, I think, was their launch yeah. trip for that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, with Fallout, you got such a deep dive, and then they did even, you know, some repetition, and then even more at the Microsoft conference at E3, that from there, there was so much content out there already, and people had been clamoring for this game for eight years, seven years. 
mm-hmm. whatever the distance between three and this, or maybe even New Vegas and this, that it didn't require much, much more on their part. And it's also not the type of game like Grand Theft Auto, where they can release, you know, five stylistically edited, awesome promo trailers for this game and really get people hyped because that's not what Fallout is. And the faces in Fallout look like Clayface. So you don't. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, that's I not what that sells they, the game. Yeah. And, and I hope that this is a, a lesson that a lot of the PR and marketing companies for video games take. If this crushes, as I think everybody expects it to, sales wise, I'm really hoping that we find more games whose announcement and release are a much tighter window and that, you know, things aren't. We don't, we aren't hearing about things until they're closer to being actually in our hands. I think that's a good thing. And I, I really liked how it was handled. Now, a lot of the people had issues with the, the sort of embargo and embargo upon, upon embargo. I think that's, people have made more out of that than really it, it warrants personally, but. Well, I think um, it was a, a mis, I'm just, just my opinion. I think they kind of, it was a mistake on Bethesda's part because I think. You know, Bethesda had that so that there wouldn't be news stories dominating about Fallout talking about when they can talk about it because then people would start getting worried and negative impression. You have stories about nothing, but people are still going to write about it because they're filling space and they know it's a hot game. So they kind of said, hey, guys, don't even say when you can talk about it until this. And the email was polite. It was nice. It wasn't threatening. And then, of course, like everything on the Internet, that became the story. So (laughs) I think it was an effort to not have a story about nothing. They created a bigger story about nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, and if I'm being, you know, a hundred percent honest, the, the, this, this release and the excitement around it and, and, and all of these factors that you guys are talking about that I've mentioned, um, it's just about tied though with, uh, something a little closer to what I did over the weekend, which is the fact that Blizzard Entertainment somehow figured out a way to make a first person shooter, something they've never done before. Not only that, but make one that I find incredibly fun and have not had the kind of fun I've had in this beta so far, which is only about a week's time with it, uh, since my old Quake and Unreal days and uh, the original Team Fortress days and, and, and those old times in shooters when I was you know really killing it with shooters. They have brought that kind of shooter back in a way with so much panache, so much personality, so much backstory without even giving us any yet that uh, I'm kind of blown away that they actually accomplished what they're setting out to do or seem to be, and the fact that they've turned around a game, which you know we know has some roots in, in, in other projects, but, but they've essentially turned this thing around in about two years' time, which is unheard of in the, the annals of Blizzard history. So that, that was a pretty big deal, too, and having hands-on with that and, and seeing what they've got going with that. Really, See, really exciting. This is what happens when you're a third timer, Christian. You, you you figure out how to work two stories into your story of the week. <laughs> See? Get savvy. You get savvy. See what I did? Uh, yeah, very very well done. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little BlizzCon. Um, uh, Overwatch was definitely you know just judging by the lines on the things. I think there was a lar- larger line for Overwatch than anything else, which makes sense. There's not a lot of people in the in the beta at this point. A lot of people are still curious about how it plays. But the big announcement at BlizzCon was uh, something we called last week, actually, that it's coming to consoles. And not only that, the details of how it's coming to consoles, which is that it's a $60 boxed product. This is not a free-to-play game, as I kind of assumed it would be, just assuming it was going to go by that Heroes of the Storm model. Uh, It's going to be a $60 boxed product that's going to include a whole bunch of extra peripheral stuff. They're calling it a uh, 
a sort of a collector's edition, extended edition, uh, origins edition is what they're actually calling it. Yep. Um, and it has, uh, it has all the heroes that they've announced so far, 21 of them, plus some extra stuff in other Blizzard games, plus some extra skins. Uh, but you can also buy it on PC for $40 without all that extra stuff. Uh, which I think is an interesting idea that here's this big AAA product that they're offering for 40 bucks, but on consoles it's 60. Uh, Scott, what's your take on just the sort of business model of Overwatch? Well, that is the one place everybody's been, you know, throwing around ideas for months now, or really since the the, the uh, announcement of the game last BlizzCon about what they would do for a business model. We live in a time where games like Team Fortress 2 have turned to free-to-play and they sell hats and skins and gun effects as a way to monetize that. And so I think everybody kind of assumed they would adopt some sort of free-to-play model. They've had great success with Hearthstone in that arena, and they've done really well with Heroes in that way as well. And people have been generally uh, accepting, and that stuff's been well-received for the most part. And so I really thought they were going to go that route. I didn't think, however, it would be... I, I didn't think they'd go the full Heroes route, which was you know, buy a character uh, when you want one, but also here's this free rotation. I don't think that would work for a shooter, especially after a lot of playtime with it. There's a, I don't know if you'd call it a mechanic, but there's a thing in the game that has been true of a lot of shooters for a very long time that is used here in a way that feels like actually part of the game and not just a thing you just take for granted. And that is switching characters mid-match. So if you are coming up against a really hard defense and your best chance is, all right, team, we've worked on this. Everybody, you know, three of us pick, uh, so-and-so character and then let's go in there with a couple of Winstons to back it up and then we can take down this bastion wall that's been built or whatever that actually ends up becoming a tactical interesting and very entertaining aspect to the game and not just a oh i'm sick of playing the heavy i'm gonna switch over to the scout like you would in tf2 or something um and there's strategy to that in that game as well but they've really bumped pumped that up here so um that stuff makes it so it's almost impossible not to give us all the characters the balance gets off if you don't have them all available to you. And so I figured it would be, you'd get all the characters, but they might go the cosmetic, this is how we make money route, uh, the way that Dota 2 and the way that TF2 does their stuff. Um, I was surprised, I know it leaked the day before, but I was surprised to hear that they were going to price it as a full game. But part of me's glad. Part of me's like, you know what? This is a a video game now. This is a straight up video game. I can put cash down and I can take that game and I can play that game. And I'm not really thinking about the other stuff. And sure, there might be a DLC and downloadable stuff later or whatever, but it's a game, and it's a game that I, I don't have to mess around. I just give them my money, and I take it, and I play it. And I like that Blizzard has themselves spread out across many genres with various pricing models that make sense in those genres. And now this and Diablo, really, they're only traditional pay models. Uh, you have subscription with WoW. You know, who knows what the ultimate future of that is. But for now, it's still a subscription game. And then you have these free-to-play models that are very different based on their genres. And I think that's all good. So after hearing the announcement, I was not one of those that was disappointed and hoping it was free-to-play. I was actually satisfied to say, all right, I'm going to have all 21 of these guys. I'm going to play this game right right away. And I'm not going to have to wait for anything or dink around with free characters or play with rotations. It's just straight up there for me to have. And for whatever reason, that's refreshing in 2015. Christian, what do you think about this? Do you think that for 60 bucks it needs to be more than just a multiplayer, you know, round by round shooter? I mean, we have Call of Duty coming out this week. We had Halo come out last week. These games offer those in addition to a very robust single player campaign. Uh, I mean, obviously we're seeing Star Wars Battlefront and we saw Titanfall and others do the same thing, but 
what's your feeling on on sixty dollar boxed product from Blizzard that's a multiplayer shooter? I think they're kind of put in a corner in terms of pricing to do a box product. That being said, it, I mean, it's coming with a lot of extras, which I think is a little interesting when you're buying it on PS4 or Xbox One. You get extras for games that are only on PC. I was yeah. almost half expecting a mic drop. I know that pretty much at BlizzCon, everything comes out of the opening ceremony, but it would have been fascinating and at the end and they were like, oh yeah, you know that maybe there's still time, right? Because this game doesn't come out until June of next year. But if they said, oh yeah, you know that Heroes content that you get as a bonus in Overwatch? It's because Heroes is coming to consoles or, you know, something. Because right now it's a little odd. <laughs> um but I think they still kind of are in that world where if they're doing a physical retail release and it came out as 30, people would overlook it for better or worse. So I think they're trying to create value there by pricing it um, at 60, but giving you enough bonuses to make you feel like it's worth it. Of course, the PC version is cheaper, but that's not entirely uncommon between PC and console games. So I feel like Blizzard is trying to do as right by consumers as they can while still raising some eyebrows, if, if that's a way to backpedal. And I, I'd add to that that they, I think they know who their base is. I think they know who they're selling to. It's kind of like how they're they're releasing StarCraft II Legacy of the Void tomorrow, same day as the, the official release day of Fallout 4, which to some people seem crazy. But I felt like that's apples and oranges. They know who that is. They know who's going to buy that game. It isn't, there's not too many people who are going to sit around and, and, and have the struggle to figure out which one of those two they're going to buy. Uh, for most people, it's not going to be an either or and, oh, my gosh, I can't make a decision. And I don't think they even feared that date one bit for who their audience is for StarCraft. And I and in this case, I think they know, A, who the Blizzard faithful are going to be. And I also think they're making a big bet on the strategy and tactics in this game being a cut above what you're used to in multiplayer experiences, including that of a Call of Duty or something with a single player component. And I think they think that is rich enough, complex enough and interesting enough to have it be valuable without a traditional campaign, a five-hour campaign or whatever. Uh, whether they're right or not, players will determine that. But I think that is the bet they're making. And I feel pretty strongly that they're probably right. Um, th- that thing is doing things in multiplayer that I've not experienced in a shooter before and doing things in ways that uh, I hope other shooters learn from. So there, there's, there's definitely something there. We'll see if that bet is worth it. But I completely agree. It's a little weird for... It's not weird to be on console. We saw controller settings in the in the PC beta, so we all kind of yeah. knew something was up. But uh, it, so that part's not surprising. The surprising part is giving the same rewards, and so I still think that's a little goofy. Uh, and I don't know how you get around that. I don't know what else they would have given out. I mean, these digital rewards are you know there's no real inventory on them. They're something you can just sort of give. And I guess I'd rather have them give it than not give it. But it's uh, that's an, that's the only real odd bit about this to me. Yeah, and how cagey they've been about future updates it's you know any question at blizzcon is like well we you know we we have these 21 heroes and these are the heroes that we have in the game and those are the heroes that we're focusing on it's like well we're not dumb you know like you guys definitely want to expand this game going forward i just and it does feel like those will be paid content even on consoles we'll find out maybe that's not fair of me to assume that but it certainly seems like they're positioning it that way and there's precedent for that you know i think uh, mortal kombat showed that and, and other games uh that are similar it's just going to be interesting to see how this how this does going forward um it's hard to, it's also kind of hard to deny their love of story and narrative and character and yeah and it, to me it, it i never believe them and i know they don't they're not saying no outright but when they say things like there's no campaign at launch or any of that you know i don't think they're holding it or anything but i don't think blizzard is the kind of company that wants to just put out this with without that arcing narrative that's important to them that matters to them 
Right. And I think that aside from these cool shorts they're working on and that other stuff, I think there's plenty more to expect and probably expect to pay for it. But uh, there's more coming from that game than just here's your multiplayer shooter. And what that is, we don't know. But knowing enough about Blizzard over all these years to know, and, and especially their, their writing teams and their creative teams, they want to tell these stories and they can't do it just with multiplayer. So for whatever that means, time will tell. Christian, how about you? What's your one story of the week? Were we a story of the week? I thought we had already moved on to what we were playing. <laughs> um, for me, BlizzCon is huge, but the biggest the biggest news is the price of, of Overwatch. But the other big news is if you are sitting on the sidelines waiting to get into this console generation, holy moly, there are some deals to be had. This is not a deals podcast. Uh, Cheap-ass gamer and other sites will cover you know deals better than I. But there was a deal on the Microsoft Store that was an Xbox One. You got to pick which console you wanted. So you could get the Gears of War edition, Xbox One, plus uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, which is an old game, I know, but that for free. And then you could pick two other games, which included Halo 5 and Call of Duty Black Ops 3, and you got that for $350. Dang good. That's insane. Microsoft is giving these things away. PlayStation... Uh, there's a Sam's Club deal, I think, or Costco, where it's two ninety nine. Anyway, all I'm saying, my story is right now, is guys, we are in it. This is deal hunting season. If you have been sitting on the sideline, find your favorite deal website, be it even Slick Deals or Fat Wallet or whatever it is. Keep an eye out, and I, I can pretty much guarantee you will find something that will make you spend more money than you wanted to by getting a great deal. <laughs> well, I'm going to tie this new story into that because I think that's a that's a that's a great bit of uh, you know heads up for every anybody and I think that you're right Microsoft is you know desperate to sell Xbox ones I think part of that strategy I'm I'm really excited about Tomb Raider I've heard such good things now that the reviews are hitting and uh, I've been so engrossed in Fallout 4 that uh, I'm really excited to try that game but this news story about uh, the list of backwards compatible titles on Xbox One. You know, Xbox 360 is, uh, was undoubtedly sort of the, the, the winner last gen. And I think this maybe will entice some people that have a large catalog of 360 games sitting around gathering dust, uh, maybe to make the jump. Uh, November 12th, the, uh, the update hits that'll include the first batch of backwards compatibility titles. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to take a look at some of them. Uh, it's an interesting list. It, they say 104 titles at launch. The vast majority of those are Xbox Live Arcade games, uh, which I think is a little misleading about 104 games. There are very few uh, AAA games on that list uh, as of right now that, of course, is going to continue to grow. But there's some good ones. All the entire Gears of War series is on there. Uh, Rainbow Six Vegas and Rainbow Six Vegas 2 are on there. Uh, some of the Lego games. Cameo. Gotta have Cameo on there. All the Cameo fans will go crazy. Um, Beyond Good and Evil, interesting, in, in HD is, is there. Uh, that's a downloadable t- game, of course. The first Mass Effect we've got. Um, bunch of, a bunch of interesting games, but for the most part, a, a very uh, Xbox Live Arcade-heavy list. Uh, Scott, what's your, th- what's your feeling on this holiday season? Do you think that uh, Xbox One is going to make some strides? I think that I do. I think between Halo and the exclusive Tomb Raider uh, deal, uh, the timed deal, is a big deal, especially because the Tomb Raider is getting some incredible press at the moment. Um, I think that it's mainstream enough to draw people there. But Halo, Halo 5 on its own will sell consoles. I think there's no question about that. And uh, there are people who have been just sort of waiting around for the next Halo game. 
and that will do well for them. So I think I think you'll see a real uptick in sales. And you know, Sony, as much as I love my PlayStation Four, they don't have the kind of holiday first party stuff that 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 has that sort of interest or that can be that kind of spike. They've got amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they've got a sizable lead, so it's not like they're, you know, they're they're kind of sitting comfortably and they've got great sales on third-party games because again, they've got that lead. So, you know, most people are getting Battlefront on there and most people are going to get these other games on there, but you know, I suspect the Fallout copies will mostly be on PS4. So, they're going to benefit just from install base, but they don't have that one hyped thing. You know, there is no Uncharted this this holiday season. If that Uncharted 4 game was out, I think we'd be having a very different conversation. And Halo 5 is enough to drive a big spike. How big or enough to make enough ground up or, you know, who knows? I don't know. But their initiative with backwards compatibility, I think, is actually a huge thing in their favor. I don't know that they're marketing it right or if you even can. If, if a grandparent in a Walmart, you know, was just trying to get something for the grandson, they don't understand that stuff. No. Uh, it no. may not matter. It's like VR. It's difficult to, to show people. But if you can get the point across that you've got this huge library of potential games that you either missed or want to play again and you can do it in, you know, inexpensive ways or whatever, uh, that seems like a huge boon and, 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 a, and a better solution in a lot of ways over, you know, Sony's rental service. We've talked about this. It's Call of Duty exclusivity and marketing deal and getting the maps early. It's Fallout running better on PS4 than Xbox One at this point. It's Star Wars essentially being advertised as a PlayStation 4 deal. And I'm in a game, and it's all of your friends having a PS4. A PS4 right now is marching into this holiday season without the arrogance that they had at the end of the PS2 season, but with that same gaming approach of we don't have the exclusives, but we have the best versions. Well, the more popular versions. This is where your friends will be playing these games. If you're late to this gen pick up this console, and let's roll. That being said, Xbox has some great games and some great deals, but I think the biggest games this holiday season are multi-platform games, and currently, Sony has the better version of those games. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think uh, Microsoft certainly has pulled out a lot of big guns, so we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on that. Um, as far as my story of the week, I'm definitely going to have to dip back into the, to the BlizzCon news deluge, uh, of course, you know, Here's of the Storm is is my crack. So the Here's of the Storm news that came out of BlizzCon has certainly piqued my interest. Three new heroes, including this crazy Cho'Gall who... Uh, Insane. Two, two players play one character. Uh, and uh, even more interesting than that is how they're distributing the character because it requires such cooperation, because it requires two people. They're running this this thing called the Cho'Gall Buddy Brawl uh, until January 1st where everybody who went to BlizzCon or ordered the BlizzCon digital pass gets Cho'Gall for free. And if they play two games with somebody else, that person then gets Cho'Gall for free as well. So you have to play as Cho'Gall with somebody and then it sort of spreads like a virus. I think it's pretty pretty smart, pretty fun, gets people excited. Uh, and also this arena mode that uh, they showed for Heroes of the Storm, which... In my interview, um, I asked specifically about, and they said they have no no actual plans to to put it out into the game as of yet. Uh, so it was sort of just a BlizzCon thing for now. But what a wild and wacky idea! It it originally seemed like it's just deathmatch. It is not just deathmatch. It is there are um, objectives on every map that you still you know like I, I played the Sky Temple map where you have to stand on the the zones to activate the lasers to kill the uh, the enemy's uh, core. So it's still about killing the core. It's not about just can racking you say up it, kills. Can you say it in the narrator voice, though? 
when they said they start the game? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't know if the Sky Temple guy is like, I don't know. Yeah, he's different. To the temple. He's like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hunt the seeds. Win the round. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like, well, the, yeah, the new map that they showed, it's, it's so interesting. The new map that they showed. Uh, so Cursed Hollow has the Raven Lord mm-hmm. and, uh, and the uh, Haunted Mines has this other guy. Uh, as they're like voiceovers to start the game, like <laughs> the, the first hollow guy, you know, and, and yeah. the other, and the new map that they showed, which is called Towers of Doom, is a duel between those two voiceover dudes. <laughs> oh, amazing! So they're like building out the lore. Like the idea of Heroes of the Storm is it's the lore from all the other games fighting each other, yeah. but it has its own lore too, in the sense of these two like voiceover guys <laughs> that are fighting each other. It's really funny. That's great. Anyway, no, that, so what that, that map's take? really neat looking, by the way. The whole oh, the wow. whole mechanic of uh you can't directly sort of ham the core until you've done these other objectives is is super interesting. I, I agree. It is it is wild. It, the art style is really cool. It's very Halloween sort of uh Tim Burton y looking. Mm-hmm. Um so cool. I mean Heroes is is such an exciting game, and this and this idea of sending Cholgal out there for people to sort of spread like a virus, I think, is a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah, one one small note about that too that we learned because um, there was some confusion about this. You when you play Cholgal, and if you play it with a friend, which was nearly impossible to do at the con because you were wearing headphones that canceled out sound, so you really couldn't coordinate very well. Um, so that was a little weird to demonstrate. But uh, one of you controls the magic, which I think is on the Gaul side, and the Cho side is kind of basically a tank. He's a warrior, mm-hmm. and uh, one of you controls the movement, which I think is the tank side. Yep. When you, the, one thing that people wanted to know is, well, is he useless unless you're playing with a friend? And the answer is no. If you get into a game and nobody, let's say you can get into a random match and you've chosen Cho Gall, you've essentially chosen Cho, and it's up to somebody else to join you as the other head. And if they don't, you can still play that game as a fifth player in the game. You just won't have any of the magic abilities. You will just be a, you know, a, a warrior. You'll be a, a meat, uh, a meat and shield guy. That's not what I heard at all, actually. I, oh, I is that the, true? I, oh. I, what I heard is that uh, if you, if you, so if you can't pick Cho or Gall as the first pick in a draft or the last pick in a draft. Yeah. And you can only pick it when you, when two players are picking at the same time and mm-hmm. both of you have to, one of you has to pick Cho, one of you has to pick Gaul. If one of you picks Cho and somebody picks somebody else, you get auto picked into a different character. Oh, so, okay. That may be true. Maybe what it was is maybe that's just hero league and maybe it is only quick matches where you can get away with it. Cause there were some, there were yeah. matches you've got, you don't know who's choosing what until you start. And when it starts, it's too late to know that you, nobody else chose your other half. So maybe that's what yeah. they were trying to explain to me is in a quick match, you just get the movement, the tank abilities, and none of the gall stuff. Crazy. So that makes sense to me. But yeah, in Hero League, yeah, of course, that makes much more sense in Hero it's League. It's so interesting. And now they've, they've already put into the game, if you queue with somebody else, you, can't, you will never be the first pick or the last pick. You will always be one of the uh, pair picks in the middle, yeah. uh, which, is, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, I, I definitely want to get to uh, talking about Oh, and Grey Mane's a badass. I just want to throw that out. <laughs> Grey Mane. Grey Mane's pretty awesome. And yeah. I've, man, and um, uh, Lunara is awesome too. She's like, she's always mounted because she's half girl, half horse. She's a dryad. And uh, her movement is so bizarre. It's like this weird gallopy acceleration, deceleration thing. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's like a deer. Uh, it's really cool. Very cool. Uh, we're going to have an, an extra long uh, playlist segment. I think we'll probably forego tabletop time this week uh, because we have such 
big stuff to talk about, but there's a few other stories. First of all, I do need to thank our sponsor, and that is Casper, which is uh, an on t- online retailer of premium mattresses. Premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. This is really, really cool. If you're buying a mattress, uh, if you, let's, say, let's say you've got yourself the Fallout 4, and you know that you're not going to be sleeping anytime soon because that game, there's just so much to do in it. Uh, when you do sleep for just a couple of hours every night trying to power through Fallout 4, you're going to want to sleep on a mattress that is comfortable, that is easy to get, and that is not too expensive because you spent all your money on video games, let's be honest. Casper is your solution. If you are buying a mattress these days, you're probably going to a store. You, you don't want to even go into these stupid stores and be talked to by the people who are going to give you a bunch of information. You don't know. They're going to be like, hey, lay down for a second. You're going to lay down for a second. You're going to go, ah, that feels fine. I'll buy it. You're going to end up spending thousands of dollars. You're going to get this mattress home, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, two days later, I didn't realize I didn't even really like it. Casper solves all those problems. You buy it online. It's delivered right to your house, right to your door. Super easy. There's no delivery fee. You get it for much less expensive, like 500 bucks for a twin-size mattress, 950 for a king-size. These are, these are mattresses that usually go for thousands of dollars. And they're going to let you sleep on it for 100 days before you have to decide whether or not you want to keep it. If you decide you don't want to keep it, they'll come to your house and take it away. You don't have to worry about repackaging it, boxing it up, anything like that. They come, they take it away. And you get 100 days to test it out. Not only that, but because you listen to our show, we're going to hook you up. With a deal, $50 off your order at Casper. All you got to do is go to casper.com slash DLC. Use the promo code DLC. That is going to give you 50 bucks off your mattress. Try it. You get 100 days to try it. There's really no obligation. See if you like it. It's inexpensive. Most people are on their mattress for far too long. And you're going to need quality Zs in this holiday period if you're going to be playing some of these big games. So try it. Casper.com slash DLC. Promo code DLC. Uh, okay, guys, so a couple of other quick BlizzCon notes. Um, Heroes, uh, excuse me, Hearthstone, League of Explorers, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, a new expansion for Hearthstone, which is very Indiana Jonesy. Uh, new cards. There's, uh, uh, I guess, 45 new cards in total. And this is, it's as if you're exploring in dungeons like Indiana Jones. You, you encounter traps. You have to fight through all these things. It's a single-player Adventure. It's for. I, I think it's so smart what Blizzard has done with this game, doubling down on what they can do digitally to make the game different than a tabletop experience, and also a, a game that is inherently very off-putting to new players and scary to get into the multiplayer and feels like you got to invest a bunch of money. Here they have this thing where you can play single player and the single player experience is super fun and super interesting and shouldn't be scary to people that feel like, oh my gosh, I have to have these great cards or else you know, I, I'm going to get killed by other players. Here you're playing against the computer and you're, and you're having a fun, interesting, very unique experience. Yeah, uh, t- to me, this is the game. Um, I'm not very... If there's one, there's, this has almost never been true in history, but if there's one game in the Blizzard roster that I'm not good at or don't really care to play on the regular, it's Hearthstone. And that is, I feel like for me, they made these single-player packages, Black Rock Mountain, this, uh, the original, uh, I forgot what the original pack was, the, um, uh, the Lich King, or the old Lich stuff. Anyway, whatever it was. Uh, Naxxramas, that stuff. Uh, is it's almost made for me because that's really where I'm having the most fun. I have plenty of friends that are very competitive in the scene and love 
arena and tavern brawl and all the other stuff that's included in this in this well-rounded game. But I'm so glad that they decided to put uh, this area of focus on um, on the, on that content, and it creates a bit of story. It brings back a lot of memories about content I used to run in World of Warcraft. It's that's that stuff's awesome. So uh, I, for one, am thrilled about any adventure pack they want to add. Christian, you want to weigh in here at all? No, I mean they're making a great game even better and trying to appeal to a broader base. Uh, they're it's Blizzard. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. What was your take in general? You went to BlizzCon. Is your first BlizzCon this year? My first BlizzCon, a friend of the show and former guest of the show, Chris Bergman, uh, invited me down, and we were hanging out and playing games together. BlizzCon, it's a very welcoming conference, and it's set up nice in, in the Anaheim Convention Center, and you know people are friendly, and they're very excited about being there to do the thing they're there to do. I, I love um, one... What's the word I'm looking for? Not one publisher, but like one focus conferences versus like E3 or Comic Con, where like half people are there for Harry Potter, the other half are there for Deadpool. This is granted, Blizzard has several games, but like Scott said, if you're a fan of a Blizzard game, you're likely a fan of all of them, especially now where all Blizzard seems to be making is the greatest hits of their character games. <laughs> where it's like you like that one game we did uh, 20 years ago, where we took your favorite character and put them in this other game. I don't like that type of game. Try it. You'll like it. Uh, and you do. And it's a, it, it's a really well-run con, and it was a, a good experience. Uh, but, yeah, this, this game is just um, a great game. Keeps getting better. How do you how do you pick that apart? I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, you know, I, I'm very curious what you guys think about this uh, Activision Blizzard movie announcement. They're making a film and TV studio. We don't have tons of time to talk about it, but just sort of quick takes – uh, I guess they want to make. They're going to making a Skylanders animated TV series, and then a series of Call of Duty movies in a Call of Duty cinematic universe. Yeah, everybody wants to be Marvel. Yeah, this is interesting, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. So my 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 brief take is this: um, the reason I'm excited is I think it benefits Blizzard more than it does Activision. It's just weird that they're starting with Activision, but then maybe it isn't weird because Blizzard takes longer and they want to flesh things out. And I, and you know, when they're showing off these digital shorts, these animated shorts they're working on for overwatch, I don't think it's any mistake to assume that, that 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 stuff will probably be in some distributed form through this new, uh, co-op. Uh, but I, you know, I don't really, I'm not invested at all in the Skylanders universe. Don't really care about call of duty, extended universe stuff. Uh, but I very much care about story and character from the Blizzard games and franchises. So, hey, whatever it takes to get that stuff out there on, you know, wherever it ends up. Because the one thing to, to consider here is we're not talking about a platform for viewing it necessarily. We're talking about essentially a production company for making it, getting it distributed, making the deals they need to make. The idea of regular content on a service like Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever uh, or even main, you know, more mainstream cable channels, whatever, is very, very exciting to me from the Blizzard side. The Activision side, I, I don't really care that much, but that, that Blizzard stuff, that's some hot IP you can make a lot of good little shorts and movies and TV shows out of. Yeah, a little worrisome that the only thing they mention at the top is the Activision side and not the Blizzard side, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. Christian, are you ready for your Tony Hawk Pro Skater movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one I'm dying to see where they're in a bowl and they need to get beach balls out using only their skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> the, thir- the third one will be the best. The rest are just kind of okay and the latest yeah. sucks. But yeah. I mean, the second one really is what brought the franchise forward and third one did add a revert. So it really made chaining better. Um, it's a smart, it's a smart move for a company that, you know, through 
not through, but invested billions of dollars in in King, which you don't need to dive into too much into. They bought um, the Candy Crush, you know, that developer. Um, they certainly billions. have the money to... Yeah. Billions. They they have the money to do it, and I think anytime you can have vertical structure and control your IP, you end up with better products as long as you're willing to put in the time and have the patience to work out the wrinkles that Microsoft and Sony, I think, did not have when they launched their film studios. It's it's a uh, who's I talking to with this? Uh, uh, I think with Chris Bergman when we were waiting in line to play some Overwatch. You look at things that are such similar cousins, but jumping between the comic book world, the TV world, and the movie world, and the video game world, it's like, yeah, they're all related, and they all use similar characters across um, different platforms, but actually making the thing, and making it well, and marketing it, and getting in front of people, they're different jobs. So I hope that Activision Blizzard takes the time and does this well, and we don't end up with the Final Fantasy Advent Rising um, movie, which I think technically was brilliant, but everything else was bad. Mm-hmm. Um I'm optimistic, but I I really, really hope that they take the time to do it well and they don't try to rush out powers like Sony did, which was awful. And it's one of the best comics of the last five years. It was abysmal. It feels very cart before the horse to me. Uh, You know, talking about a cinematic universe of Call of Duty movies. Let's make one that's good first. You know, Marvel didn't talk about a cinematic universe before Iron Man did well. Well, no, Marvel let other established film companies make movies with their characters and then they're like we got this <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i i'm i'm also hopeful but i i there's nothing about call of duty that makes me want to go see a movie in particular like there's plenty of war movies there's plenty of action military action films i don't i don't know what that is that is so exciting you know i've never seen a movie with you know captain america in it that was good before so i don't know it's a little different in my opinion but one is hopeful. The uh, Call of I, Duty I, movie is the next Tom Clancy movie, but the problem is you got to establish the brand. You got to establish a great film franchise without having the brand weigh it down. But mm-hmm. I think you could have an awesome, you know, movie around Ghost, who is a character that's beloved and has an interesting aesthetic yeah. in the games, and you build it out as a good movie. But you got to take the time to do it and not rush out Need for Speed. Yeah, I, I guarantee you somebody has pitched them the reality competition series called Guitar Hero already. <laughs> uh, I'm certain that. that that's happened. I guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, dudes, let's get to the meat of the show because I'm too excited to put this off any longer. Let's talk about our playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us on the playlist. I'm not even going to pretend that we're starting anywhere except Fallout 4. Uh, I'm about 40 hours in to Fallout 4. I put up a video this morning that was me sort of rambling into a camera about... uh, There's just so much to talk about with this game, Uh, but if you want to check that out, it's youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. Christian and I have both played it. Uh, I'm playing it on Xbox One. I have also played the Steam version briefly not not because you can't really play both <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta invest in one and, and go and they uh they got the uh, console versions out to us earlier uh christian's playing on ps4 um let me say this this is a massive massive game and we've had a lot of big sprawling open world games come out this year uh, I don't think I've ever played a game that is as dense and as rich as Fallout 4. It is the most fully realized square kilometer of world 
that I think I've ever played, and that includes other Bethesda games. There, there is such a density to the amount of things that are alive and and uh, f- full of story in this world. Um, I'm not going to talk about specific uh, story beats, but there's really no distinction in Fallout 4 between what is a main story quest and what is a side quest. And I mean that both in, like, there's no... In, a, in the menus, there's no big asterisk next to the uh, mainline story quest, but also in the way the, the quests feel. Everything feels really fleshed out, really lengthy, really interesting, is, is well-written. The characters that you meet in side quests are just as compelling as the characters that you meet in the main storyline. It is uh, the, the worlds, the levels, the places you go and visit in side quests quote unquote side quests is as interesting and and some of the That's side what quests I say are about more my quote unquote side pieces to my wife too i'm like side you pieces. Know, they're just, just quote as interesting un- they're, yeah just as interesting the places we go the things we do <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's hard Christian, to distinguish uh you know i i could probably uh continue on a rant for a while but let's let's hear i know that you have not had that great of a time with it um this is uh, so I'm may, I, for sure six, maybe eight hours in of a game that is probably a hundred um, easily. I I don't think I'm going to put any more time into the game because I'm not having fun playing with the game. I think it is a fantastic game, and I'm so happy that so many people love it. I, I do think we're at a point in video games now, with them being such a time commitment, that as much as it stinks to say this for reviews or even impressions, if you like this type of game, you'll love this game. If you are bought into the hype and you love, you know, a wasteland-type environment and and you hear everybody singing this game's praises and you think maybe this is the game that gets me into this series, it's not. I think it's going to be a waste of $60 for you if you've never liked these types of games before. Well, what do you mean by these types of games? Bethesda games. Um, And even backing it up even more, Dragon Age-type games but specifically the bethesda rpg is, is a unique beast to of, you didn't of you didn't care for skyrim i did not i maybe played 12 hours of skyrim okay well, that's a lot yeah, it's more than it's more than i i what it was also kind of my first foray into this so i gave myself more time to 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 plug away for me and you read i tweeted this out today i think the polygon review is very well written they gave it a score of 9.5 which is fine i'm totally okay with that but as it, i read it you know, I'm I'm reading it, seeing all of the problems that I think it was Arthur that wrote it. You know that he glosses over because he's having so much fun. And in, in your YouTube video review, which I think is excellent, it's YouTube.com/slash Kanata Jeff. If people haven't watched it, I also hear you provide a lot of the same critiques that I have with the game, but you're willing to overlook them because the snarky way would be to say you drink the Kool-Aid or this game is made for you. And I don't, I don't want to dive down that path. But to me, the problems with this game take away from, from the fun of it. And then the actual act you hear, you heard Bungie talk about with, with Halo. You know, we wanted to find the fun and repeat it over and over and over again. And, and the fun in the first eight, 10 hours of this game or the things you're doing to me aren't fun. I'm wandering around a world trying to find some stupid pumpkins so that I can plant them so I can fulfill this stupid uh, colony that I'm making so that I can make this person happy so that I can unlock the next thing. And then where are these stupid pumpkins? It's just so dumb. I, 
the the thing that's crazy is I've never done a question about pumpkins. <laughs> well, like that's how wildly different your experiences can can be. And I've never I I've never done anything that involved pumpkins in this game. Well, it doesn't need to be pumpkins, but when you set up your first, oh, you're saying you just want to have food for your colony. Correct. Ah, yes. The example mutt I fruit, use, baby, it's all about mutt fruit. Right, which is easier to find. Um, and 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 just building the the way you're in the. Um, you talk about this in your video, so I don't. People should listen to that, but if they're not, I'll talk about it here. You know the way you actually build your world and, and go and 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 get the the pieces that you need to build things and to build the structures and to mod your guns is is more cumbersome than it needs to be. The graphics are ugly. Um, the world is beautiful, but you spend so much time in this game looking at other people's faces and listening to them talk, and it it's not it's not pretty. Um, it's glitchy. The shooting is better than it's ever been, but that feels like an apologist saying, well, at least this sandwich doesn't have poop on it, but it's still not a good sandwich. <laughs> um, but it, it does so much right. And you can only this type of game, you know, I don't know if you can make the, 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 the big beautiful game that this is and have it look like halo five and have the, the shooting be that tight because there are a million different ways that you can come into an encounter. So I'm not trying to say that this is a bad game, what I am trying to say is I had no fun with this game. And if your gaming tastes are similar to mine, avoid this game. Hmm. You said yeah. something on Twitter I want to read. Can I read this quote from you? I like this. Sure. Uh, it's 15 hours ago. Kristen Spicer said, I think it's always weird or I think it is always weird to recognize something is truly, truly great and still not really liking it yourself. That seems to sum up kind of where you're at. You, you see this game for what it is, this hugely popular, very you know, everyone wants this. This is a genre that's clearly a big deal, but it's just not your bag. Well, to be fair, um, that tweet was definitely not about Fallout 4. Oh, it, oh, crap. <laughs> it, it certainly applies. That tweet, I was deep in, we'll talk about it later too. That tweet was about Black Ops 3, which is another very well-made game from, you know, what I'm into it and what a value at $60. Um, and it's like, I get it, but I just, I don't, I'm not into it. But I, no, that totally applies to Fallout 4 too, where I see this thing, uh, I watched Jeff's video and I see the joy in his face, but I think if you gave this to someone, you know, that isn't into this type of game, i.e. me, it's a very different experience. It's tedious. Um, well, you it, know, I, I, let me, yeah, go let ahead. me address some of that because I, I, I think you're right about a lot of it, you know, I, and it's something that I, I've struggled with because you, it's hard not to have a direct comparison to Witcher 3, which is another game that I think is a definite game of the year contender this year and is so feels so uh, bleeding edge as far as technologic te- technology, right? It's this massive open world. It feels like this w- well constructed universe. It's beautiful. It's cutting edge technology. It's cutting edge graphics, and this is not that, right? This this game feels very clunky in a lot of ways. It feels very. Um, it feels very last gen. It feels uh, the, the the load times are excruciating at, at, at times. You know, you still have that thing where if you walk into a building, you load, go to a loading screen, and it it's mu- it takes much longer than it should. Um, and yes, the, for a, in a large sense, the graphics are very drab and very uh, very um, low detail. But I would say that what, where the game makes up for it in spades for me is the richness of the narrative, the richness of the world building. And Which have you be. have you gotten to the Pridwin yet? We we could do we could do a whole show about that. Um, I, I don't know. Well, you would know. You would well, know. Well, then uh, no. Yeah. 
So there, there are numerous moments in this game where I've gotten to a place and been like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting to do this in a video game. I can't believe this world now includes this. And small things like small little character moments and the, the details of, of people you encounter and their stories and how they live their lives. Something I talk about a lot in, in the video that we've been re- referencing is how, how good Bethesda is at building a world that feels authentic. It, you know, and I think that even Witcher 3, which is a game that is excellent, None of, you know, you can't just walk into a city in, in Witcher 3 and kind of know the story of that city. Maybe a little bit you can. But with, the, with Fallout, the way story is conveyed isn't just through the dialogue of characters or the quests you take. The, the story of the world is conveyed by where items are placed, the, the kinds of detritus that you're finding in these, you know, these post-apocalyptic environments may i may i jump in real quick here sure i think an interesting way and maybe we need to do a sideshow of christian loves um last of us and jeff loves fallout right i agree with all the things you're saying and i think you know for listeners that are trying to wonder where i'm coming from this i think it's take jeff's i I guess might have been back on week and confirmed your thoughts on the last of us and compare them to mine where i feel the same way about that game with like i spent time just wandering around the world and looking at things and seeing you know, there are bottles and, and characters that you learn about just from the newspaper articles and you pick up in that world and the way the level is laid out and you're in a sewer and why they decided to do something here. And sure, some of it was because of a combat uh, choke point, but other parts of it you have to assume is they're telling a narrative through this world. And when you come out into the open and you see the lush landscape of Pittsburgh for the first time, what an awe-inspiring moment. But I was also really enjoying the moment-to-moment combat of that game so for me this that was a huge i'm talking about the last of us beautiful world with a story that was so much more than just the dialogue between joel and ellie whereas in fallout the moment-to-moment stuff of like salvaging this doing that spending a half hour in my inventory because i'm neurotic (laughs) and what am i going to do and i want to carry everything but now i'm heavy and i can't fast travel and why is this so difficult I, i became frustrated and stopped looking at the beauty of the world that they're telling and whereas you are immersed in this, and I think everything that you find is a joy and further builds on that experience. And I love, I love, love, love that we're talking about, you know, two games here, uh, using them as a metaphor for many, and describing the exact same things and having such a vastly different experience with them. Well, my, my feeling about what Fallout offers in contrast to Last of Us is, is the fact that you can really create your world <laughs> you know from a very in a very real way you know what what they've added in the in the form of of this editor this massive uh settlement editor that you have access to while yes it has problems the, the you should they should be searchable like the for items that you can build you should have a search page it should be much more well laid out as to how all that stuff works together there are certain things that you build that require settlers to be assigned to them and oftentimes I'll build the thing, I'll need a settler, and I'll just wander around my settlement looking for a settler. Why can't I just pull <laughs> up a menu that says, hey, settler, come over here. I need to assign you to something. I have to literally, like, find them. Uh, you, you know, the game has, has companions in it, which is great. You start with a dog, you get lots more companions, lots. And they add a richness to the game, but they're also super clunky. Like, 
when you can only have one companion at a time and you can assign where the companions hang out and wait for you. But if you assign them at a settlement, excuse me, that is very large, they go to that settlement and I like I spent easily 20 <laughs> minutes looking for the stupid guy because I didn't know where he hung out. Like, where does he hang out now? Why can't I just pull up in a menu? Like, come over here, dude. Uh, there's lots of that stuff. And the fact that you start having these companions that aren't just canine, that are that are that have the ability to talk, and they sort of behave in very weird ways. Like there's one particular quest that this isn't a spoiler at all, but there's a quest where uh, you're you're asked to make a decision about something, and one of the things you can do is fight a guy to the point where he's incapacitated but not kill him. And so you, they're like fist fight him and just punch him and he'll be incapacitated. And like, okay, cool. But my companion, as soon as I started punching the guy, like pulled out a pistol and shot him in the head. And I was like, dude, did you not just hear the conversation that I had where I decided I was not going to kill this guy? But my stupid companion behaved in a way that, you know, that he's just programmed to do. Uh, <laughs> lots of stuff that happens like that. Or I'll be in this really tense moment and my companion will be like, hey, man, can I talk to you about something? And it's like, I, I'm fighting right now. I'm literally fighting right now. So there's a lot of that like weird clunkiness that happens in the world. But so it's like it's hard to argue against you and say, well, it's not that because it is that. It's just that what it provides on the other end in as far as the story that they it tells and not like it's not like a story like Last of Us story. story Last of Us story is is very good, but it is a A to B narrative. Fallout story is the story of an entire portion of the world in this post-apocalyptic... I mean, you learn about all of these different factions, how they play against one another. They're, and all of that fiction is, like, born out of this cool sci-fi, all these sci-fi roots. Like, there's all these different things at play. There's, you know, I get to play... There's a part where you get to become a superhero. There's a part where... You are, like, working for a detective agency. There's a part where, you know, you're, like, investigating this very authentic-looking Boston and following the Freedom Trail, which I, like, literally did in, my re- in real life in Boston the first time I visited. There's so much to do all the time. It's truly a, a like, titanic accomplishment, this game. But, yeah, uh, so, I, again, I feel like we're complementing each other, but still totally on opposite sides of the fence. There is so much to do in the game... And and so Sushi X, before I get into it, Sushi X in the chat said, I don't like God of War or Uncharted, but it doesn't mean those are bad games. I just don't prefer them. And that's right. that's how I feel on this game. The reason I'm continuing to vocalize my critiques is if people are listening and they're, they're kind of on the fence. I think people, you know, next week is 100 episodes of this show. You hopefully know who we are. I'm not telling you don't buy this game. I'm purposefully not giving it a review score of a four or whatever. I'm just saying I don't enjoy it, which is fine and that that you do um you were saying there's so much to do in this game and it's amazing and i would agree there is so much to do in this game and so little of it is fun it's it's work this is my batman to you not the case at all i i I have tremendous amounts of fun constantly playing it and i think that you also have fun organizing the bits of your board games that's true and but i don't think that's comparable i mean i think there's a bit of organization here but but that's not really the the fun of the game. The fun of the game is something that is very much what I come to video games for a lot, and that is exploration. What 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 feels so exciting about Bethesda games for me, and why they're one of my favorite companies when they make role playing games, is that what I'm actually doing at any given time is unraveling this mystery 
by exploring into areas. And I have to be strong enough to do that. I have to, I have to have the right equipment to do that. I have to have made the right decisions to do that. And I'm venturing into these areas. I mean, a lot of people, you know, talk about dark souls and games like that in in the same way, but I feel like the richness of what I'm discovering is really the reward. The things I get to do, there's a place that people will discover later in the game called the, uh, the crater of Adam that when I got to go there, it was comparable to any kind of media, I, like the, a twist ending in a movie, a, just like the fact that I got to do this and how I get there and what happens, it is jaw-dropping and amazing and I'm transported to another place and it's because I was strong enough, I ventured into this new area and I discovered what these designers had laying in wait for me. Uh, okay. Scott, I know we've been talking yeah, a lot. Yeah, Scott, who's right here? Oh my gosh! Nobody is, and and at the same time, you both are. Um, I, <laughs> I, I skew closer to Jeff's opinion of this genre, um, and especially the post-apocalyptic side of it. And um, you know, Skyrim, Skyrim, you know, Skyrim's a whole different animal, but at the same time, it's it's also a very similar animal. Uh, I just am a sucker for any kind of wasteland, destructed environment. I think Mad Max Fury Road is the best movie in the last 10 years. Like, I'm a freak about this kind of stuff. And I also am a huge fan of walking into a place and tonally and visually being given the exposition I need without having it force-fed me or read to me. And it sounds like this game is doing that, not just from just comments, from a lot of other comments. And for me, that is all enough to sell me on that I'm going to like it. I will agree with you that there's some tedium in there. They've always had that. Um, that stuff can be frustrating and somewhat off-putting, but narrative uh, and and just feel for me and tone often makes up for 90% of that, and I don't have a problem with it. So having not played it yet, I don't really have a way to have an opinion on the game yet. Um, it seems like an easy fit for me, though, because I've loved every Bethesda game ever, and I don't want them to ever stop making games. Uh, <laughs> speaking of open-world gank, or jank, um, they're famous for it. I mean, the silliest things that ever happened to me in video games probably happen in, in Skyrim with weird dragon glitches and, you know, how, yeah. how did this dragon get into this room and <laughs> some weird stuff like that. And as much as that stuff can be frustrating, it's almost kind of charming, and I don't know if that's the right way to put it, even more so. I think it's a great way of putting it, actually. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to explain, but even like Red Dead Redemption, one of the finest games in the last, you know, certainly the last generation, maybe in the last 10 years or so, I loved that game. And part of what I loved was that bear sticking out of a rock or you know, <laughs> something strange yeah. is happening here. And it's not like it's game breaking. It's just this thing you smirk at and make a video about and everyone goes viral and it's a big hoot. Um, doesn't really bother me. Now, when the game's locking up or freezing or you're losing saves, you know, I'm not talking about stuff like that. But when I have not experienced anything like that, by the way. Yeah, I've, I've, heard, I've heard pretty good things about that. But if you've got a guy, you know, who's talking to you very calmly about his personal secret while there's a fight going on, yeah. there's something about that that I like. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, it is wrong, but it's also like, oh, look how hard you guys tried to keep it and it didn't work. But man, that was funny. Okay, I'll talk to him later. Like it's, for whatever reason, the Bethesda thing, that's grown on me over time. And they're famous for that crap. So that doesn't bother me at all. I feel like I'm going to be all in. And, but, I, but at the same time, it's funny. It's like I have this same weird thing with Hearthstone. Everybody is shocked when I tell them I really don't like playing it. And it's got everything I should love to play in it. And I just don't play it very much. I play the single-player stuff, and that's basically it. And I don't know why. I love competitive games. I love card games. I like board games. I like 
even, you know, complicated card games are fun on a table or in a video game. I, there's just, for whatever reason, I just cannot get down with it. And it's just not for me. And I, so as you're talking this whole time, I just feel like that's what we're talking about for you for this, 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 not genre, but this structure, this type, this thing is just not for Christian Spicer. Well, I also well, think it's interesting. Sorry. Uh, in the chat, you know, people have been saying, how how long is Bethesda going to get a pass on on glitches? And I, I get that we've become enamored by them, and it's it's cutesy and folksy, and it's almost what's going to happen this time. But it is interesting, and I wonder if part of that is because you know they've done right by gamers in so many other regards. But people have had full game lockouts. People have had um, file corruptions with Fallout and, Four. With Fallout Four. And and people have said, well, that's why it's quick save. You got to have multiple saves. You always got to be saving. And I just wonder, you know, at what point do we say, like, if this were No Man's Sky, let's say No Man's Sky launched and had the same technical problems as Fallout 4, but otherwise lived up to its promise, I, I wonder how people would treat that game. And I don't have. I haven't an had any technical problems. I've had these. I've had these weird, like, strange game goof goofs. You know, well, those are kind of those are problems, about. though. I don't know. I mean, I, I technically, guess they technically are, but that's like they're saying, not intentional. You're <laughs> so, right. You're right. It, it's a bit. It's a bit like saying, um, "Why can't an MMO be released that never needs a patch, or why can't a, a MOBA be released where you don't ever have to balance the characters again?" I mean, when you launched it, you thought you had pretty good balance, but it turns out, up, oh, you know, Diablo's OP or or whatever. I don't know that it's. We want that to be possible, but with the complexity we're asking from this experience. I'm not sure it ever actually is ever possible. So you forgive glitches because of ambition? I forgive glitches that are... Uh, the idea that the saying that they, how long do they get a pass just has this connotation of they're getting away with something. Well, that's, I'm trying not to be... That's the thing. I, I, I also am not holding them accountable. I don't think this game should be raked over the coals. But you know, enough people have brought it up in the chat room. And I do think it's an interesting question. I also think it's interesting... That when you when you raise this type of question, maybe I need an electrical shock to my brain, Jeff. To uh, <laughs> we have concerns plug there to uh, to change my mind on this thing, but I, I do think it's interesting that when you bring up this idea or an otherwise critique of Bethesda games, the Bethesda Defense Force comes out. I, I'm not trying to say the game is bad. My question is more open ended as why don't we think it's bad? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to agree with you, and you're making it very difficult because I think I think using the term glitch, I think implies a more heinous transgression. You know, I think saying that, I, which is more along the lines of something like a, a lost save or something impeding your progress. None of that has ever happened in in my 40 hours so far with this game. Uh, yes, long load times. Yes, some goofy stuff that happens. It's like, well, I'm sure the designers didn't foresee that or intend that, but it also, I don't know, it, it, it's a game. It's, it's not a real world. And so, I don't know, I, I guess I'm giving it a pass, but I don't really look at it as giving it a pass. It's more like, it's just, that's just the weird rules of this world. Um, <laughs> but, but I think we're kind of, we're kind of getting off a, a track a sure. little bit because I feel like we're talking a lot about that and, and I think there's more pertinent things to, because we started this entire episode. Scott brought up this idea of of how massive this game is anticipated, and I think it's going to do very well in sales. And I think you're right, Christian, that a lot of people who buy it don't know what they're in for. And and it is a game where you can die in an instant and probably will quite a lot, especially early game. You get much more powerful as the game progresses, and you feel it. You feel more powerful, which is awesome. 
but uh, that quick save is there for a reason. You do you do need to use that quick save, and it, it's the old school PC model that I do, where I like walk two feet, save, walk two feet, save, <laughs> and uh, I happen to love that. I happen to love that. Um, how is it accomplished on the console? Is it a pause and use an option, or how do they handle that? Yeah, it's it's uh, a button and then another button, and it happens very very fast. Ah, so okay. it's yeah, it's one that's great. One that button. sounds that sounds all right. Yeah, I assume we can just F five it on the PC, but uh, yeah, it's still good. Sounds good on a console. You don't have too many menus to go through to do that. Yeah, uh, and you know, but the game has anybody that's played Fallout Three, the game has iterated a lot on the systems in that game. I think uh, I still happen to really love the VAT system, but they've completely revamped the way you level. They've completely revamped uh, a lot of the shooting mechanics and added in this this notion of having power armor right from the beginning of the game, which is spectacular and uh, really adds this this really cool uh, way to deal with problems that are beyond you at any given time. Um, there's another quest that uh, I got very early in the game, and I got a distress signal on my radio on my Pip-Boy, which is a lot of how the game um, brings you into new areas. And uh, this guy was stuck at the top of this tower, and he asked me to go up, and so I'm ascending this tower, and I'm fighting super mutants along the way, and they're all sort of easily... You know, I'm easy, easily handling them at my level. And when I get to the top, the guy at the top is, uh, the bad guy at the top is a skull to me. So he's beyond my level entirely. And I thought to myself, well, thanks a lot, game. You brought me up here. <laughs> you asked me to do this. And now I get to the very top and the last guy is beyond my level. And I'm like, screw this. I'm going, I, maybe I should just go someplace else. But instead, I looked through my inventory. I found a... Uh, a mine that I had and I found some other items that I could use and I took down this guy who was beyond me and it was one of the most satisfying moments I've had in the game and I think there's a lot of that there's there's always options for you to handle these kinds of situations and pair that with quicksave you're always able to try things and and quicksave works in any moment in in the middle of a dialogue tree in the middle of anything you can always be quicksaving and I think that is it allows for this wonderful improvisation, this wonderful risk-taking, and it makes every death, to me, not frustrating. Yeah. I, I, for, me, for me, that, it's almost like a puzzle game. Um, or at least it has been in the past. Like in, in New Vegas, which was my favorite of the Fallout 3 era the Fallout. The only one I didn't finish. I really liked that one. I don't know what it, You know what it was? It's just, it's Desert's. I'm a desert rat. It's Tatooine, dude. You know, if you ask me where I want to live in Star Wars, I want to live in Tatooine. People look at me like you're crazy. You want to live on, you know, Bespin or somewhere else. I'm like, nope, give me the desert. I want some big, (laughs) sprawling, huge place. I'm, you know, it's the Mad Max problem. Scott Johnson, frustrated moisture farmer. Exactly, dude. So (laughs) there's just none left. But I, but I, I, I love that motif so much. And I love Vegas as the idea of uh, the, the pure concept of Vegas. Uh, like in the uh, the stand, for example, Stephen King's The Stand, as this ultimate headquarters for the for for the sort of the bad guys or whatever, is so yeah. compelling to me. And burned out old casinos and all of that, like that is fascinating to me. So th- that brings up another point. The only concern I've had about Fallout Four moving close to it is I'm less interested in sort of Eastern Seaboard, you know, New England sort of areas as a as a backdrop than I am big open Nevada desert, which sounds boring to a lot of people for whatever reason I don't like that. There's so much to see and discover in this game. And there's, 
uh, I don't think this is really a spoiler. There's there's a way. Let's say this. There's a way to see the world from above mm. <laughs> that you haven't been able to do before. That mm. uh, really draws into stark contrast, like how sprawling and vast everything is, and how it's all designed out of this really wonderful idea of a destroyed world. There's there's so many places like oh my god I can't believe they thought of this. There's a the biggest city in the game is called Diamond City and mm. it's built it's called Diamond City because it's built inside uh the um the stadium in Boston the the famous uh, baseball stadium. It's oh, I'm all in on that. All I, on the baseball I, diamond, right? There's so much like that that is so well thought out and so brilliant, and you get to see it, and it's like, oh my god, this is amazing! This fully realized world. Yeah, um, there, what you're telling me, what you're doing right now is you're confirming why I'm going to like this investment is worth it to me. And it sounds weird. It sounds like you know I may get in there and just hate <laughs> the gameplay, but I'm still going to like the game. Like I, I tried to play Skyrim not long ago, and I'd forgotten just how clunky the first person controls are, and it's never good at combat. But you, but it's not. That's not why I'm there necessarily. And it, and it does sound like I'm giving it a pass. It really does sound like that. But that other stuff is so compelling and strong that it's very. I mean, you had me at stadium converted to a city for real. Fenway Park. <laughs> Fenway Park. Thank Fenway, you. That's uh, an amazing Chad. idea. I love that idea. Thank you, Chad. Oh, I'm and in. I'm I think in. It's, this game. I, I felt like really pushes first person. Where I know it. Obviously, it's a shooter, and they've certainly done that before. Um, but I feel like it, it really, really, really wants you to go that way for the bulk of this game. Are you playing in first or are you looking at your sweet fallout booty, Jeff? Oh, uh, I, I pop <laughs> out to look at my booty when I get some sweet new swag, but I yeah. definitely in first person the entire time. Um, Christian, did you try the app? No, the pit boy app. Yeah. No, uh, I have it's not. So cool, man. It's so cool. It, it, I mean, it's, it's the entire, all of the menu functionality. It's the entire menu on your iPad or iPhone. And um, it's so great because you're, you know, you're obviously popping in and out of that menu a lot in this a game. A lot. <laughs> yeah. To have that in front of you and, it, and like you, you select a new weapon and the weapon just appears on the game on your television. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, I think. Um, it works really, really well. The only thing is like you got to have it open constantly. So I found myself needing to plug in my mm-hmm. iPad and just have it open. But it's great to be able to just glance down and see the map and see where I'm walking and going. Um, so What's I think that thing? works really well. I mean, that's the thing about this game, and I think people that are going to enjoy it know this, but again, this is for if you are getting swept up into the hype train, you know, maybe do play it. I'm not saying definitely avoid it. I think there's a good chance you won't enjoy it, but this is a serious RPG where, you know, you would sit down and you have the book open with you as you're playing, and you have your character stats open at all times as you're playing, because that stuff is super important and especially dependent you can you know respect things obviously but you do you'll get into an area and it's it, even if they don't have skulls over their heads you're just like oh no i just wasted a lot of copper wire <laughs> or like, yeah a guy just throws a grenade at your feet and you you're dead instantly like that that'll happen a lot in this game a lot yeah um, and and it, you know but but fallout started as a hardcore pc role-playing game like it's true to its roots mm-hmm. and those are the games that i fell in love with first in my life and so i'm i'm very much in the other thing i want to t- talk about really quickly is the is that settlement mode that editor that giant thing which you know you describe as work and i <laughs> have to admit when i first started it it did feel like a little overwhelming i mean a lot of the game is overwhelming but that in particular felt very overwhelming and uh and I was sort of like, well, why am I doing this? The game doesn't really 
give you a clear reason as to why you're doing it. And all of the training about that mode is is really, I think, poorly handled by the game. I think it really should be much more clear as to how everything works. There's At one point, it was like, build this thing! And I was like, okay, I'm happy to. I don't, I can't, I <laughs> literally I can't it? find it in the menu. And then it's like, oh, you have a damaged item. Repair that item. It's like, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't, you don't, haven't taught me how. A lot of that stuff very clunky. But I will say, as much as it sort of turned me off at first, I stuck with it. And I started realizing that what is really happening is that you are transforming this wasteland into an empire. You're it, transforming of your image. It, in your image, in whatever, however you want it to be, but you are, you are literally going from this broken down shell of a, uh, a place overrun by bad things to a thriving metropolis with interconnected cities that all have power and resources. And it's at your doing. And you go in and you clear these places out of the bad things. And there are some, like, I just got a castle last night as one of my settlements, and it's amazing, dude. It's amazing. And in that um, castle, you can play Skyrim, which is really the craziest part. All right. <laughs> we, have, we know where everybody sits. Let's talk uh, uh, about uh, Call of Duty, uh, and then and then we'll let uh, Scott tell us about Overwatch, uh, and I will go off on my side podcast that's a Fallout 4 only Side, no, I'm just no, no. I, I meant I didn't mean that as a shut you up moment. I meant it as I honestly wouldn't be surprised if in Fallout Five you could do that. Like this world building thing does have jank to it, but they also put in, you know, Minecraft or how, whatever you want to describe it into a game that even without that feature would be one of the deepest, most engrossing games out this I mean, holiday it's, season. It's very Farmville. It's very yeah. Uh, that's a good analogy. You know, you you need things. Your guys ha- need food, and they need you know they uh, need defense and all those things. Anyway, Call, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, you have been playing, sir. Yeah, and it, it's another game. That is what my, the, the tweet that, that Scott, that Squat, <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in Fallout 4 for too long, um, <laughs> which would be great, by the way, if they all just still had. <laughs> if you get to Southie, they do. Right. In fact, this one part, you walk up to this guy, and he's like, hey, hey brother, I got this, uh, I got this deal. You, you can't believe it. And he pitches you on the idea of a credit card. Right. This is great. like this like one-off moment where he's like, I got a credit card. And he's like, in the middle of the apocalypse, you're going to try to and – then, and then if you do it, he goes, retad. <laughs> <laughs> like he totally just scammed you out of money. It's funny. And wow. you just uh... – Everything is in Fallout, Christian. Everything. Well, that's how, that's how I played Call of Duty, to be honest. Oh. Um, right. Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Treyarch, who has kind of become the lead – you know, developer of these games now. And this is another game where, holy moly, I know people, some people have been having problems. I, like you in Fallout, Jeff, I have not run into any large problems in, in Black Ops 3. I had a game save deleting bug in Advanced Warfare that really irked me. So far, you know, knock on Ikea wood, my Black Ops progress has, has been maintained. How long are we going to give Call of Duty games a pass for glitches huh? did you listen to last year when i talked about advanced warfare and when i was went to best buy and was there for an hour and i'm still waiting on my check from activision that i officially yeah, submitted you really told them huh <laughs> well i'm saying i am not giving them a pass in any way shape or form You're to right. answer your sassy question <laughs> she gives them a pass confirm right. go ahead go ahead yes I, I totally did anyway um this game is I think really well put together. I think people that played the beta, I know Jeff, you played the multiplayer beta. 
I think the way they handle movement around the maps, most of my time in multiplayer has been spent on, um, uh, what are they? Is it capture the flag? Is that what they call it? I'm in, sorry, I'm in first person brain wipe right now between Overwatch and, and Halo. I think it's just capture the flag. Doesn't matter. Um, that mode. And the way you move around the maps, I think that this game has found a, a method for movement that feels really good. Halo 5 with the little, uh, little boost was pretty cool also, but I like the abilities that they've given you in, in Black Ops 3 to leap over walls and wall run. And of course, it's nothing original. You know, other Call of Duties have had this. Titanfall really started this parkour. At least in my experience, they started the kind of the parkour when you're a soldier running around on foot. But there's something about um, the tightness of the controls that Call of Duty games have had since 2 or at least Modern Warfare. And the way they've added these new abilities and, and perks to it and the way it still feels tight and really well done. Where I think there's room for, yeah, wall run doesn't work in this game. Uh, Verticality's totally ruined these maps. And in my experience, that hasn't happened. The The single-player campaign also feels very well put together. At this point, I am tired of the predictability of these campaigns to some extent where it's like, and this is not a spoiler for this campaign. I have not finished it, but uh, it's likely a spoiler for this campaign. Um, <laughs> it's, here's someone you know and trust. Just kidding. You shouldn't trust them. You got to destroy them. What's that? You're here to destroy me? I was undercover. You got to trust me. It's this other guy you've trusted that you can't. And it's just like, I get it. <laughs> but it's all those bombastic moments that you know and love. At this point, I do think the franchise could... Uh, have a little more rest built into the campaign that I feel like what they've tried to do in these games now, this is Black Ops 3 I'm still talking about, is they give you a, a vehicle moment to try to rest the crazy where crazy is still happening, but they've taken control away from you. There's a, a hoverboat moment in this game. So you're just kind of running the gunner ship. So you're, you're kind of breathing, but big stiff is big stuff is still blowing up all around you. And then there's the zombie mode, which feels totally disconnected to everything else in this game where you're in, you know, New Orleans and you're buying perks. And there is so much in this game. And I think Space Bob in the chat has been talking about, oh, complex games. That's bad. Like being sarcastic. Um, there is so much in this game and unlocking different perks or um, abilities for different parts of them and keeping track of what's what. And it, it, it's overwhelming, not in a bad way, but in a way if you are a casual player of this game and you want to spend time in something, I think you will feel overwhelmed quickly and you could spend the rest of the holiday season just playing zombies and fully understanding how you want to spend your unlocks and, and what packs you want to buy and upgrades for this, that, and the other versus diving into multiplayer and you're going to level up your character there and create this thing or really replaying the campaign, which is now four player co-op um, playable. Anyway, this is the game that my tweet was about where like, wow, this game is really, really well put together. I think Treyarch is has another hit on their hands, but I, I just I have a hard time spending the required time with it, if that makes sense. That's how all games are now, I guess. It's just how we are. Everything's just it, it, all of our time. It really does. It's, yeah. It's frightening. <laughs> and not in a bad way, but it is frightening. Well, and I would say 2015 is in a pretty unique spot in that case. It's been a while since we've had a year with this much density in the games. And yeah. there's many of them. And I, for one, really like, for example, that Mad Max game. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> obvious reasons, but I thought it was really good. It depended on a lot of, you know, tropes we're sort of used to in open world games, but I ended up really liking it. That thing was huge. Batman was huge. Witcher 3 is huge. Like, right? we are playing a lot a of huge five. games. Yeah. Yep. It's, I forgot about that. It's honking huge. It's, in, it's insane. I think, Jeff, when we get to faves of the year, game of the year talk, it's just going to be which game stole you away at the right time when you weren't busy on another project and you were able to put the required 100 hours into it. Because I, I don't know if that's... I think that, you know, I think it'll be more interesting than that. I'm so looking forward to that discussion. I think 2015 is going to go down as one of the greatest years in history of video games. I think. Are you a Call of of Duty guy, Jeff? I mean, Scott? Uh, uh, It depends on the year you ask me. Like, I skipped a couple, then really enjoyed last year's Modern Warfare, and right now, not feeling all that motivated to get the new one. But it's usually because, as an annualized series it actually works against me i don't I, sure. I get tired of it and then i don't want to kind of go back but then another year i'll go by and be like you know i could go for a little call of duty so chances are 2016 is my year again i guess Jeff, uh, space, should... oh, sorry, space bob has a really awesome comment in the in the chat that i think could be a, an entire episode in and of itself but you know he said jeff kept saying how is a game this complicated going to sell well my point was maybe people have been waiting a really a long time for complicated games for example dark souls Witcher 3 etc you know i think i tweeted out this morning something about how i'm so shocked at the level of anticipation for fallout 4 with what i know of the game it it doesn't feel like a mainstream game in a lot of ways which is maybe it's just i have a different idea of what the mainstream is and maybe what will happen is that more of these kinds of games will will be successful and we'll get more of these kinds of games and these kinds of marketing efforts. I think that might be exciting. Um, interesting. Scott, I want to, I want to hear you talk about what's on your playlist. I know a lot of that is overwatch, which for me is a lot, is a lot like what Christian's been talking about. I recognize it being a great game and I want to love it. I just haven't found the fun. Well, yeah, you and I talked about this via, I guess, Battle.net or something we were chatting yes. today. And it really surprised me because um, the, the the MOBA influence in here is strong and I know how much you love heroes. So um, I know they're very different genres and, and it's hard to make that comparison, but they've inter- they've interjected so much of that that, it's, um, that that it felt like a thing that my MOBA friends would really like. But I think what's going on for me there and why I love it so much is there's a depth there that doesn't exist in other shooters. The problem with it is, if there's a problem with it, it's the same problem shooters have always have and had and probably will always have. And in some ways, MOBAs have. Uh, the players that are really good can wreck your day and make you feel like you are not accomplishing anything, that you're doing it all wrong, that yeah. it's uh, that you just suck, or right, that, right. that it's somehow unbalanced, or those characters are OP. Like Those feelings, based in reality or not, are there. And I, and I get them, too, on a bad match or, or whatever. Can I give you a specific example? Yeah, please do, please do. This, this is my experience. Uh, I play as a character. One particular guy as a different character is just owning me. Yeah. And I go, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll try that character. Try that character. Some other dude just owns me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I get it. It's not the character so much. It's the old guy with the controller in his hand or uh, behind the keyboard. You know? Right. Yeah, there's definitely – look, the old Quake and Real skills definitely play a role here and probably eased me in in a way that, that um, made it easier. But I've gone up against some teams where I'm like, how in the hell did that just happen? Or snipers that are just so on. Oh, yes. People are just like, gosh, dang it, dude. Um, but there have been times where I'm getting worked – and I have figured out in the in the course of the game, 
just the way to play Reaper in this situation to get up close to somebody and take them out and then get out unscathed. Die, die, uh, die. Yeah, he's he's well, he's really fun. Um, and I really like Junkrat. I really like Roadhog. I really like a lot of the characters for a lot of different reasons. But I'm finding enormous fun in this game, and I think they have an incredibly huge hit on their hands. The real question is, and this is a question I still have for heroes in a lot of ways, and I know they're doing some things to address that, but their matchmaking stuff needs to be on point. And they need to figure out, however you can do that, improve the way the games do this, but figure out a way to get good players with good players and some kind of ranked mode, something that works well so that you don't have, you know, like the problem everyone has with Call of Duty or anything else, you just don't, you don't want to have noobs with experts. And you want to try to figure out whatever that happy medium is so that you've got some good competitive play. That's going to be tricky. But I've been in there with three, maybe four people at a time now where we all knew each other and we're on Skype or whatever. Or using the voice system, which works pretty well, actually. Uh, the push-to-talk system they're launching with us is pretty strong. Um, I, I, I've not had that kind of fun since Heroes. And between these two games... It, it, they have reignited my love of multiplayer and, co- and competition in video games in a way I never actually thought possible. I thought I was perhaps past all that stuff. You know, my StarCraft days are kind of behind me and my old shooter days not really doing that anymore. These two have rekindled it in a way that is just insane. So it's it's going to be very much like Heroes. It's a better game with friends. Uh, it's a great game on your own. Your skill level needs to be taken into account with their matchmaking. So while we're in beta, it's hard to com- control that. But really, at release, they've got to get that worked out um, because then there'll just be the same problem every shooter has. I can't get into a TF2 game without just getting you know my butt handed to me in a package. It's because there's no real way of of uh, you know determining where I should be and how they're going to do that. I don't know what their plans are. I don't know, but I think they know it's important, especially if they're looking to sort of esport this thing. I think it has great potential for that. I love the characters, love the art, love the environments. It's just a, a beautiful, rich, awesome, awesome game. That part I definitely agree with. I love the characters. I love the art. I love the 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 tone. It's very un-Blizzard. You know, Blizzard's games have definitely have this darkness to them. Even, you know, I guess you have your Mists of Pandaria every once in a while. But for the most part, you know, you're talking about Diablo is in hell. And you're yeah. talking about, uh, you know, Warcraft, which is, you know, arcs. And you're talking about, uh, you know, these games that are 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 very uh, very heavy. And I love the lightness of Overwatch. I love this, this her- heroic sort of trumpet music and just the lightness and brightness of the world is, is a departure for them that I think. Yeah. And they've taken it in a direction that that uh, tonally they've taken it in a direction that is the antithesis of what they typically do. And at the same time feels fresh and new generally, like it doesn't feel like they're moving in a direction of any other game. It feels like its own thing. It feels light, fresh, fun, um, heroic, you know, all those things. The music is incredible in that game. It's just, it's just a, it's a whole new franchise in every sense of the word. And in a way, um, what I feel like they're doing, and this is just my theory, but we, we already know from what people had said that a lot of what Overwatch is came out of Titan. Uh, Titan was very much planned to be sort of a hero-based MMO. They had all these very grand plans for it. And that's all known information. That's public stuff. Um, how they took it and made it into a shooter, you know, who knows? There's a lot of complexity there. But I feel like what they're doing is they're going back to what Blizzard does. That is to say, make a core experience that's very, very strong and then build that out. Iterate on that. Make a sequel. Build a better one. Do a cooler thing. Branch that out into a genre maybe you hadn't fiddled with before. 
the idea of an Overwatch MMO one day, when MMOs figure out what they want to be and what that market can still manage to be, is very compelling having yeah. played just a little bit of this. So there's a lot about that game that, that just oozes potential. And as always, it's polished the hell and back. Oh, my favorite thing is probably just how it feels. And I don't mean looks and, and that stuff's all great, but I mean a, a shooter to be a good shooter needs to feel like it's fun to shoot things. It needs to feel like those, those, those bullets are flying the way you want them to, that there's heft to who you are, that, that there's kick on the gun when it needs to be. There needs to be that feeling of just movement and flow it's a lot harder than people think it is. This game has that down. It's totally nailed it. And even the melee characters, which I was super skeptical about, uh, popping Winston out and, and doing what he does is really, really fun. And I don't think melee is supposed to be fun in first-person shooters, but somehow <laughs> manages to be. So I'm really, really jazzed about that game. And between that and Heroes and everything else, they take up most of my game time. But i got to give a small, tiny mention to Rebel Galaxy, which came out a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, ex Runic Games guys that used to do Torchlight before that, some Blizzard, uh, well, uh, Diablo 2 and the Blizzard North guys. Um, they've all scattered and done different projects, but this is a, if you guys remember Freelancer or, um, you know, any of these games where, you, you know, you're basically living in this rough and tumble space western, running guns and doing smuggling missions and flying your ship into scary territory. Basically, Eve without all the spreadsheeting. Uh, that's what this game is, and I am in love with that game. It's fantastic. Uh, it's on PS4 and PC. I have it on PC, and it's so much freaking fun. So uh, just a small mention there that if you're looking for ah. – you're getting your space – oh, and the other thing, the soundtrack is basically Firefly soundtrack. It's like all this like great honky-tonk kind of cowboy, dark, uh, you know, soulful country music, lots of guitars and uh, violins and stuff, which is such a great contrast in that kind of, you know – giant ship in space blowing stuff up thing naval combat kind of stuff really really cool game if that piqued anyone's interest at all or if you heard me say the word freelancer and said oh i want more of that this game's great so yeah it looks kind of like homeworld meets star control which kind of yeah yeah and it's it's called rebel galaxy rebel Uh, galaxy in a lot of ways it's a very you know docking is easy you get to get to a station a button says push a to dock and you just dock it's not like some crazy simulator but it, the core of it is story and characters and crazy missions and, and battles that are epic and upgrading your ship and getting new ships. And it's that whole treadmill. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, uh, we're kind of running low back? on time. Can I here. circle back to Overwatch real quick? Yeah. Sorry, Christian. I didn't mean circle to it. change circle back. there. I knew you had something. I ran right over you there. Go ahead. Oh, no, no problems. I, I think just it, it's an interesting contrast to Call of Duty where complexity of so many of these console shooters have gone towards in Halo, you know, in Warzone, rec cards or loadouts is such an important thing where you build your character as you want them to be and you spend time unlocking different items and weapons and guns and this is your character and whatever. In Overwatch, you know, I think Scott hit on this a little bit, isn't that. You have your character, you select, you know, whoever it is, and this is the these are the guns they have. This is the way they play. What I think is so fascinating about its complexity comes in that every character uses the same buttons. You know, WASD, Shift, Q, um, wheel to change guns if you have them, whatever. But And they all do the same general things, but each character approaches it differently. So shift on one character is just a dash. Shift on another character, you know, leaps you across a level, halfway across the level, and that's how you move forward. And, you know, your loadout... Some characters don't have two guns. Some characters only have one gun. Um, And I think it's really fascinating to see a game 
go against the trend of you personalize, you build, you create the character you want them to be, where they're still a tank, but you get to select, you know, a, a chain gun or a rocket launcher or whatever. And instead, Overwatch takes a character, they give you the character, and they say, all these characters play exactly the same, but to truly understand them, you need to play them differently. So shift will always be your move forward quickly through the level. But it's totally different when that warps you to a character versus you're sprinting as you do in Halo 5. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see people really figure out what works for them and what doesn't. And um, I think it's refreshing to not get caught up in buying packs of cards to then do this, that, or whatever with and still have a game that competitively is is deep and complex. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's the MOBA quality to it. It's it's got a MOBA quality where you've got a character you're invested in who they are and what they do and figuring out how they counter and how they best play and how they are better for defense or offense or whatever. That quality is definitely there. One final thing I'll say about it, I really love about it, is there are, there's no ammo in the game. There's ammo in the game, but there's no running out of ammo in the mm-hmm. game. No you reload, so you're mitigating that. You got to time that right. There's all those fun things about reloading, but you never run out of whatever your primary ammunition is for any of the characters. And I love that they don't get bogged down in that and think that's something they have to include. Right. It's, it's an extra layer of complexity. It may work in certain games for the way they've constructed this game. It's a breath of fresh air. Even without tabletop time, I knew we were going to go long on this episode. And yet somehow I still feel like I gave short shrift to Fallout 4. Uh, I don't, I feel like we talked about it forever and I feel like I still didn't say enough about it. So I'm sure I'll be talking about it. YouTube.com slash Kanata Jeff. He has about 15 minutes there. We will talk about it more here, but check that out as well. I maybe got to do another series of videos. Uh, The whole series of videos I think is warranted. I may be doing some streaming today. I don't know, guys, if, if you guys are interested in that. Uh, but it's very late game. I'm not. It's not late game. It's later <laughs> game. Uh, the, the amount of the map that I haven't even touched yet is shocking. Shocking. But uh, it's it's massive game. Um, anyway, Scott Johnson. We we do have our parting gift coming up in, in a second. So stick around for that. But Scott Johnson, thank you so much for being here. You mm. are uh, one of my favorite people in the world. So thanks, thanks so much. Oh for man, that's super nice of you to say. It was great to see you this weekend, both of you. And um, uh, always look forward to chatting about this stuff. It's it's uh, it gives. I'm I'm way more energized today. Well, actually, just go play video games and not do anything else. But uh, <laughs> so thanks for that. But having me on, I just love it. Thank you for having me on anytime, man. It's good good time. Yeah, and uh, tell the people your myriad projects, where they can keep up with you. Well, uh, there's a lot going on at frogpants.com. All the shows I host, all the art, all the stuff that's going on. So that's a great place to start. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. And more specifically, to Heroes fans, if you are into that game as much as I am and as obsessed as I am, uh, and as Jeff is, for that matter, uh, go find my new show called Core. It's a uh, core show on Twitter. You can find it at frogpants.com slash core. It's myself and two co-hosts each week. We break down the latest in the game, talk about strategies, characters, and what's coming, what's broken, what's working. Uh, I think people will like it. We've been having a really good time with it. It's about an hour per episode, once per week, and our follow-up BlizzCon episode we're actually going to record tomorrow. Very excited about that. So again, that's frogpants.com slash core. I'm going to come clean with you, Scott. The only reason we had you on this week was so that maybe I'll get an invite on that show. Oh, you're totally getting on there. I've got a special <laughs> plan for you, dude, because it's not oh, going to be just your typical, let's have a guest on. I want to do like a special curated NPR style, me and Jeff talking, going deep, diving deep into this thing. Like, nice. I got, I got ideas. So we'll, well be I'm, I am at your disposal, sir. I would love right. to do that. Great, great. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? 
Thursday is improv versus stand up at UCB Franklin. If you are in town, it's Harold Team, Ro Coco, and Yasser Lester and Jesus Trejo, who you might have both seen recently on Comedy Central. And then uh, Brandon Scott Wolf is um, visiting from New York City as well. That is Thursday at UCB Franklin. If you are in Los Angeles, if you are in the Phoenix area, I will be at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory Thursday, November 19th through Sunday, the 22nd, doing a mess of shows. And of course, I am on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R is the easiest way to get in touch with me. And then I am uh, Twitch streaming consistently Thursdays, 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. It is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Jeff, what's up with you? Oh, man, I got our first long episode of... uh of tomorrow daily that I'm on will be up this Thursday. We have, uh, we did some BlizzCon coverage when I was there and we got some other fun surprises coming up, uh, daily episodes Monday through Wednesday and then a longer, uh, episode on Thursday. So uh, I'm excited. This is kind of our first full week really doing it. So I'm, I'm really excited. Check that out tomorrowdaily.com. Uh, also my usual stuff, the slash Filmcast. we're talking about specter this week. You're not going to want to miss that episode. I'm sure it will be delightful, uh, because specter is not good. So, uh, the episodes where things are, What's that? I keep hearing that. It makes me sad. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting episode. Uh, people tend to like the ones where we, uh, you know, take a big crap on the movies. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so check that out slashfilm dot com. And also, we have concerns, which is uh, every weekday twenty minute episodes of comedy and science at wehaveconcerns dot com. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's move right along into our parting gift. Scott, you got a suggestion for people to uh, get them through their week? Um, yeah, I have been, uh, I'm a big documentary fan mm. and I'm always looking for good ones. And I'm subscribed to Sundance's docclub.com. That's how far I've taken it, even though there are a ton of good documentaries on, docu- on, on, the, uh, on Netflix and various other sources. And, um, you know, I've seen them all and once in a while I find something I think is really special and I like to recommend to people. And man, did I find one of those. Uh, so just this uh, in October, they released on HBO. So this is on HBO. You can get it on HBO now or go or the actual service of HBO where they're repeating it. Um, a documentary about autism and autistic kids in uh, specifically in Ohio in this group that, uh, that is uh, kind of a program for uh, autistic young adults who are sort of at the high-functioning end of the spectrum, uh, but really struggle socially and these other things. And they deal with uh, kids 14, roughly up to you know young adult age and, and sort of everything in between. And I didn't know quite what to expect from it. Sometimes you get those documentaries and you're like, all right, you've, you've jerked all my tears out of me. Here's some money. Or, you, know, you don't know how, if it's going to be sort of a man, manipulative narrative or if it's going to be just the raw, you know, let's see something in action. And I gave it a shot, and man, I was blown away by it. I was heartened by it. I, I have gained new insight into what it means to not only be someone with severe autism, but somebody uh, who might be uh, somebody out there who might be parents to autistic children. Um, and having some friends and family who who deal with similar situations, I've gained a much greater empathy and appreciation for what they deal with, both the good and the bad, and 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 how they try to find the equilibrium in their lives that they that they need. It was awesome, and you're rooting for these kids, and it's called, I guess I should give you the name of the documentary. It's called Learning to Dance in Ohio, and it basically surrounds 
these people, uh, these autistic kids and their parents and the, and the school and the advisors all working toward a formal dance. Uh, and they all have to learn things like how to ask each other to the dance and how wow. to be ready for it. And awesome. these things that we all take for granted that they have no idea how to do. And it is eye-opening and broadens everything about your understanding of what some people have to deal with and what you consider to be normal. It gets kind of flipped on its end and they're brilliant and they struggle and they triumph and it's fantastic and I can't recommend it enough. So that's uh, Learning to Dance in Ohio. And if you have access to HBO at all or eventually when it hits DVD or something, you, you owe it to yourselves no matter what your life's ilk may be to check that out. Like I would be a blubbering mess by the end of that movie. You probably would be. It's <laughs> it's also very triumphant. People are fantastic, and it. it's really really Check good. Check that out. Learning to dance in Ohio, Christian. How about you? Well, mine seems really silly now. Um, <laughs> Where do we get to mine, dude? Where do we get to mine? Okay. Mine? Yeah. Uh, Puff Daddy released a new mixtape slash album called MMM. Maybe perhaps in celebration of his own birthday. And um, holy crap, you guys. I'm not the biggest hip hop hip hop head around, but this album's good. I remember I was excited about Compton coming out because Dre was release, releasing a new album. I think that album, unfortunately, ended up being mostly misses. This album is mostly hits. I don't know if Diddy has someone writing for him now or what, but um, it's really good. MMM Puff Daddy's new mixtape slash album. Yeah, check yeah. that out. Um, so mine, I feel even a little embarrassed bringing it up. So. I, some people have noticed that uh, I've been on a Dodge commercial that's been popping up around, uh, which was great. Gave me a little extra chunk of cash, uh, which I'm very pleased to have. And uh, I promptly spent <laughs> on myself on an <laughs> item that I don't need but wanted really bad. Um, so I got a new television, guys. I got nice. a new television. Tell and me I went, it's curved in 80 inches at least. Well, you're half right. It's... <laughs> It's 80 inches. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's not curved. I went with the Vizio M-Series, the, uh, the M80C3, and uh, it's, it's frighteningly large. It is enormous. And, um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so I have been – that's what I've been playing Fallout on, and uh, I'm excited to play Tomb Raider on. Uh, it's great. It's 4K. It looks just – incredible and uh i'm telling you guys it, it was a bit of a i was a bit worried because i live in an apartment and uh i thought it might actually be too big it was so the television is so large that it got delivered on a day when my wife wasn't home and i couldn't set it up because it comes the little feet <laughs> the little feet you know that are the stand don't come attached right you have to lay it down to put the feet on so i managed to get it, the box off of it i managed to lay it down on my couch and I put the feet on it, but then I couldn't figure out how to put it up, like stand it up without stressing the feet so much that they might snap uh, with one person because it's so big. I mean, I, I could lift it if I could get my arms around it, but I couldn't get my arms around it. Uh, and I, I was like, I, the, the stupid TV stayed on my couch for a day and a night because I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to put it up. I ended up calling my friend and having him come over to help me lift it. Um, <laughs> You're not playing Fallout 4. Your apartment is I'm in Fallout it. 4. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I'm inside it. Wow. Dude, Christian, you have to come over and see it. It's, I'm, I'm embarrassed, <laughs> and I'm also so proud. <laughs> well, just know that you will never need to see Colin Kaepernick play another 49ers game on that yeah, TV. Yeah, it's the Blaine Gabbard era, everybody. Um, 
it's massive and uh uh yeah you guys will i'll I'll tell you how it after i've had it a little longer i've only had it a few days now but uh, the vizio m series is what i got all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc really one of my favorites that we've done in a while uh and that's thanks to scott johnson and christian spicer and the folks at five by five for making it possible it's also thanks to this awesome chat room what a really cool group of people especially today really great uh, insights and comments uh, all through the show. I didn't get a chance to bring a lot of them into our discussion, but I was definitely reading them as we went along. Thanks to all of you who hang out with us live at 11 a.m. on Mondays and participate. It really does add to the show. Uh, and thanks to all of you who download the show and listen to it. Hey, why not give us a nice five-star review on the iTunes? That helps uh, helps us uh, you know, get discoverability and people find the show. Oh, or maybe just mention it to a friend. Say, hey, why don't you listen to that DLC uh, I think we would. I think you would like it. That would be uh, really helpful to us as well. Hey, we'll be by- back with you next Monday. I will probably be talking more Fallout and definitely be talking about Tomb Raider. This is the most exciting part of the year as the, the, the hits just keep on coming. So why don't you hang out with us next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 